G'day everyone, it's Pete Tarling here from Arkham Art Coaching and this is the fourth and last of the podcast episodes in series with Alicia Schimeld. So in this episode, Alicia and I talk about the relationship between anxiety and performance levels, discuss some coaching tips related to mindset, and then get into some questions from both some of Alicia's Instagram followers uh, as well as my Instagram followers. I know we've talked about performance anxiety, um, but I had a question specifically. As someone improves in their fitness or performance levels, um, can that see a change in their anxiety related to training? I, oh yeah, I think you mentioned this question to me because it seemed like the person was sort of saying that as it performance increases, um, anxiety increases. But actually, without like shaming whoever that was, because I, I genuinely don't know who that was. That was just a question you mentioned to me. Um, it, it shouldn't. Um, like, so if, if it is happening, that what that says is that there's something going on for that person in terms of how they're thinking about stuff. So that's not going to be something you're going to solve with a training type thing. That's going to be something you're going to solve with a mindset type, type thing. Because really, like, as your performance increases, you should be gaining confidence. You should be able to reflect on your wins. Your habits should be improving. So what I would say is that if someone is actually finding that as as it gets higher, their, their anxiety is just naturally getting worse, it's to do with the pressure that they're putting on themselves. And, and it's that piece of what what meaning are they, are they giving to success in this field? And that's probably something to look at because there's a different study, and I can't remember what it's called, but what it basically says is, if you make a novice do something in front of an audience, they'll do worse. If you make an expert do something in front of an audience, they'll do better. So this is something I, I give like a lot of presentations at work and I definitely have seen that in myself. But when I first would do it, if my boss was in the room, if someone I knew was in the room, if it was a big audience, I'd feel heaps worse. I'd do heaps worse, talk too fast, all that. Now I've like been doing them for so long that I'm like, I'm like a creep with this stuff. I'm like finding people to invite into these rooms. Like, do you want to come watch me present? Who wants to watch me present? Um, because it makes me better because it just makes me so much more aware of my performance and I'm more in tune with it and like what I'm saying and, and just how engaged I am with the audience. Uh, so I would say that if someone is like, if objectively their performance is increasing, but the anxiety is going up, that says something about that. They're not, they're kind of not valuing themselves in the right way. They're not looking at themselves in, in the most productive way. And it's probably something like if that, like I would say that is something that sports sites can help with or, you know, I, like these obviously someone listening to this could have access to sites in different ways like a lot of workplaces have what we call EAPs so employee employment assistance programs you can usually access them for like four or five sessions for free obviously military members have access to sites um but really I would say you don't necessarily have to see a site you can just start doing research online you know listen to podcasts if that's your thing watch YouTube videos if that's your thing but just make sure that you've got someone who's actually an expert as opposed to someone who's like this is what works for me um, but it's definitely, it's definitely more in the mindset piece. And, and what I would say to that person is, is the first thing, if they were my client, I would get them to reflect on what have been their wins. Like, what are they good at and how can they leverage that moving forward? Um, cause it's really a growth mindset. So a growth mindset being obviously, if you're not good at something, it's not that you're not good at it globally. It's that you have not yet learned those skills and that you will, you, you have the capacity to learn those skills. You just might need to learn them in a different way to someone else. And uh, then the next question is um, for coaches mainly, like any tips for us on how we can 
help uh, work with an athlete and their mindset. Um, and notably, like you, depending on what you're coaching, you, you get a variety of people. You know, we've talked a lot of stuff here, shitloads of stuff. Um, actually, <laughs> I don't even remember half the stuff we've talked about. I feel like you'll be able to go back and cut any of the stuff we've said and make answers to anything, really. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to rearrange it. <laughs> yeah, this this is really insightful today, and there's no swearing. <laughs> I think right. I slipped up. There's the occasional life word slipped in there. Oh, oh, yeah. And the more you swear, the more I swear. And I know it's the other way around as well because, you know, bloody AJs. <laughs> Someone says fuck, then everyone says fuck. Yeah. Um, oh, we're not now. <laughs> I'll have to make sure this podcast is uh, rated um, for explicit language or whatever. But, um, you know, coaches see a variety of people and of different mindsets, different anxiety levels, different arousal levels, different cognition. What can a coach do when they either one want to help someone um, to optimize their mindset um, or two? Ah, shit, I forget what two was. Okay. Well, you just edit that in later. Um, Yeah. I think the big thing, and, you know, this is true of anyone that works like in a co- in a coaching or a psych profes- profession is sometimes when we go wrong with our clients is that we're not asking the right questions mm. because we're and, – and there's actually – and I, I don't know about with coaches, but there's a study with psychologists and what it says is basically that there's like a peak point of um, how well engaged the average psych is with their clients and whether they're getting a really good thorough understanding of what's going on for them. And it's, it actually peters off after a certain point. So basically like obviously new psychs are nervous, you know, they're too in their own head. And then there's this like key two, three year period. And then after that, it actually gets worse unless people actively work against it. Because what happens is you start to think, oh, I've seen a client like this client before, and this is what worked for that client. And we forget that humans are so diverse in so many ways. And also that you don't know, and like, it's not really appropriate for, for, for a coach to know every single thing that's happened in someone's life. And you don't know what's going to potentially trigger like, you know, kind of a dodgy coping strategy or what's going to be hard for them. So I think the big thing is asking, asking the right questions and, and thinking about, you know, is, is something going on for this person that you may just have not even considered and every, and, and just having some self-reflection of like, right, what, what could I do better to get better outcomes or, um, you know, and I've I've made mistakes like that before with, you know, like I'm working on sleep with someone and I think that I've covered off on everything in terms of caffeine use and sleep hygiene or whatever. And then I figure out, oh, no, and, you know, I've done energy drinks, but I haven't explicitly asked about something like hydroxy cup and this person's uh, taking hydroxy yeah. today, you know. And then I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm – and without that crucial piece of information, and it's the same where, you know, had you not asked me about what other training do I do – and you not know that I was like running 10Ks a night, you might've got frustrated with me of why aren't you getting stronger? Mm. And then you might've put more pressure on me or you might've said, oh, I'd expect better progress from you or something. And then it's going to not have a good like relationship for us. Um, so I think it's just about being, being aware that it takes, it does take time to figure out like what's going on, but also that depending on how your coaching relationship is and how many clients you have, Maybe you don't. Maybe that's not a space you get into. Maybe that's not time you have. So accepting that, like, you don't have that full level of control and all you can do is just give them kind of information around, look, these are the kind of things that can affect it and just let them try to figure it out. Yep. Um, uh, That's good advice. I think a lot of people, once they start learning about a topic, feel compelled to start acting like they're an expert in the topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I know Boots. Uh, Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's not a boat, mate. This is a ship or whatever. Um, yeah, or, or you, you know, you, you do something that works with one person and then you go, ha, you know, Eureka, I found it. You know, I've got the golden egg. This is going to solve this other person's problems, but everyone's different. Yeah. Um, and that's a skill that can be, like, that's very transferable in a lot of areas of life. Like, as a leader, you don't want to treat everyone the same. As a parent, you don't want to treat your kids the same. Like, people react differently for so many different reasons. So. Yeah. And uh, like training, like everyone responds to training differently. Um, that's a really funny thing about studies because people go, oh, this study said this. It's like, yep, it does. Yeah. But how applicable is that to you as an individual and then in your circumstances? So yeah. you're like, and you, you... so often it's the, this study that I read the summary of said this, but it's not, oh, and the study was completed on this very specific population yeah. that had already done this strength training or had already done this. So. Yeah. If you, yeah. People fucking hate abstract warriors. Yeah. Uh, they're the worst in in exercise science and fitness and whatever else. I love it. It psychology too, don't worry. Yeah, they're just like, oh, well, this is... And you're like, fuck, did you even read the study? It was on five people. Um, and it, is that what it actually said? Like, tell me the, the shortcomings. What were the actual recommendations? Not what you think it says. Um, tell me the weaknesses in the study because every study has a weakness and a good study will tell you that. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So, like I said, so my Instagram is um, it's probably more kind of geeky type stuff based, and I just force my gym pictures onto them twice <laughs> twice a day. Um, yeah, but actually, so I started my Instagram when I was more into running. So a lot of the people that follow me are runners, and what I find is that those women who are around my age, say mid thirties, a lot of them are now getting into strength training because they've had this advice around it's good for bone density and stuff like that. So the questions that I got were in that space. Um, so one of them, and this was one that I'm not even going to speak, I'm just going to let you answer it, was um, what kind of equipment is good for someone at home if they're starting to get into strength training? Like what would you recommend if someone's trying to set up like a little home gym? Um, what's what's kind of the key equipment to have? Yeah, so I wrote a, a short article on this. Um, the, the most important, well, actually, the most useful piece of equipment you can buy is a barbell. And, and that's a good barbell, not some cheap, shitty one but a good barbell and the reason why is it's about space and utility. So a lot of people will think, oh, I should get this you know, multi-purpose machine with all these cables from AMAT All Sports for 500 bucks. It's gonna let me do all this stuff. Typically poorly made. Um, they're very limited in what you can actually do with it. But a barbell is like a world of possibilities. You have to learn how to use it, but you can do so many lifts with a barbell and then you get some weights. To go with it so, i will okay i said i wouldn't talk but i'm going to talk um talk yeah the thing i would say noting that i have come like i have been someone like this previously is when you're saying a barbell you you mean literally just a big steel barbell you're not talking about a preloaded one that like like the ones that are on that little rack at the gym that are like 20 25 30 yeah that's not, not one of them they're shit. i, yeah. I mean an, an olympic um yeah. size barbell so um for men it's a 20 kilogram bar 28 millimeter um, shaft diameter and it's 2.2 meters long for a women for women um, unless it's powerlifting it's typically a 15 kilogram bar that's got olympic sleeves 25 millimeter um, diameter on the bar 2.1 meters long i think they're 10 centimeters shorter um, they're a little bit smaller which means the average woman has smaller hands than a man you know, on average and i typically find them more comfortable but that um, is the most useful thing you can buy. Yeah. 
Um, and, and then some weights to go with it. Get, get a women's one if you can, because I most of my training was initially done with men's bars just because of the gyms I was in. And I didn't even know. I didn't even know they made smaller bars. And what I found is that for a lot of stuff, I had to just use the bar or, like, I, I didn't put weight on it initially, whereas I think it would have given me more kind of scope to, to move around a bit. Yeah, and you can get smaller bars. You can get, like, well-made um, bars by, like, Rogue, Rogue Fitness in Australia, um, Iron Edge, even, again, Faster. I think there's another few other brands, but they're reputable brands. You can get, like, well-made 10-kilogram bars even that fit the same size plates, um, and a really good starting point. Um, but yeah, I just as a woman, a 15 kilogram bar is like a really good starting point. As a man, a 20 kilogram bar. And you can do so much. And the, the good thing is, if you get stronger, you just buy more plates. Yeah, that's it. You just buy more plates. Yeah, yeah you, you yeah. don't need to start with like 200 kilograms of weight. You can just start with a bar and then work out what you know, where you're at. And then as you get better, you know, get some small plates and then get some bigger plates. And then when you can't lift them anymore, get some even bigger plates. And this is gonna this is gonna sound ridiculous to you, Pete, but I literally saw this on Instagram yesterday with someone talking about she had confused bar, barbells and dumbbells. So I just want to like quickly explain. So like a barbell is like the super long ones where you put the weight on each end, and dumbbells are the little ones you hold in your hand that are preloaded with weight or that you can put weight on. But yeah, it's just the distinction because she was it was confusing because she's kind of setting herself up as someone who's giving advice, and she was talking about holding a barbell in each hand to do lunges. And I went, that's very unlikely, unless this is like some sort of a balance exercise. Yeah, that's weird. Place. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably because um, you hear the word barbell and dumbbell used all the time. And yeah, yeah, dumbbells go on one hand, barbells go on two. Yeah. And yeah barbells are the ones you see at the Olympics and, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> what other stuff do you reckon? Like, I, I think like... For, for the for the kind of like people that ask me this question, I think like a decent sized kettlebell you can do a fair bit with. Like say t- probably for a smaller female, say twenty ish kilos, twenty four kilos probably max. And you can do swings and you can do goblet squats and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah, just one kettlebell, like sixteen to twenty four kilograms. Like yeah. go somewhere and actually pick it up, see what it feels like. Um, like one sort of like heavy dumbbell you can do a lot with as well, and, and even some more moderate you know pair of dumbbells. Um, are really good and that that's a shitload and you can do so much with all of that you, you can get free programs online you can get a coach you can sign up for programming as well through a whole bunch of people um, and there's so many different things you can do with all that um, another thing I'd recommend after like a bar and some weight is to then look at a squat rack because it just makes things like squatting pressing even bench pressing if it's set up correctly a lot more accessible and then some sort of flat bench and that is really like the probably the three or four most important things. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter what you start with. Um, just just start with something. And then as you get more confident and more experienced, you can expand out. And then you can end up like me who's addicted to buying yes. equipment. And, you know, I have spent too much money on it and I will keep spending money on it because um, I don't have any other real hobbies or interests. Well, my, my husband got me to write a list of the things that I might want for our home gym. And he said I could write anything I wanted on there. So I went crazy and I was like, I want a sled and I want a thing to push this on and that. And then I wrote Bradley Martin on there and he took the list off me. Um, say you want an Aleco barbell. That's E-L-E-I-K-O. Yeah. Swedish steel. The cheapest one you get will cost you $1,400. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best barbells in the world. 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with our dodgy one, but um, I, think, I think it's good advice to say a squat rack because something that I found when I first started because I was someone who was like had not considered myself a sporty person but then realised I'd just been playing the wrong sports and that I'm actually very much built for strength training. So when I started, though, because I was using these programs that were made for women, I ended up in this position of being like, oh, I want to, like, shoulder press, but I want to shoulder press something that I'm not strong enough to lift off the floor, like, at that point. And that was when I realised, oh, the squat rack and the barbell, and I put it in there, and then I don't need to lift it off the floor. And Like, it's it's a little thing, but when you're not being socialised to this stuff in the way that a lot of women haven't been, you don't realise, you're like, how the hell do I get this off the floor and up? Like, it, half the workout is doing that. And that's actually a joke that, like, women we will often make is that half our workout is, like, moving the 20-kilo plates around. Um, you know, because it's just that's a bit more – it's a bit harder for us sometimes. It is. And um, and then it comes to, like, what lifts can you do with a barbell? Like, you can do a shitload. Um, you can do a shitload more with a rack. But if you can actually learn how to do cleans or power cleans, yeah. that just – it, it, it opens up the practicality if you don't have a squat rack to yeah. be able to do presses, push presses. But of course, they're really high in, in, to skill demand. Um, they're pretty hard to learn. Well, they're hard to learn to do well by yourself or off the internet. Um, you can teach yourself, but you can ingrain some bad habits. Like I did? Like I did? I feel like that was a personal attack. It, it, it was implied, not stated. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's really good. It doesn't need to be fancy. Um, I, I like to push people away from the ideas of getting these all-in-one machines just because they're really clunky, they're hard to move, they're limited, they take up space. I mean, the max amount is what I find. Like, Because yeah. I often travel for work and go to hotel gyms and stuff like that and you just max the machines out. Yeah, and you go, I'll just do more reps and you're like, no, you won't because it's not necessarily going to achieve the goals you need to. Um, and also because I don't want to do 40 reps. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just silly. Um, you know, even doing 20 reps at times is, is insane. Um, but yeah, that's a really good start point. And there's a whole bunch of cool shit out there. And you go, oh, that looks really cool. It's like, if you don't know how to use it, it's going to be useless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I think you, you make a point, which is just buy one thing and get comfortable with yeah. it and then add something. You don't need to feel like I'm I'm doing strength training now and therefore I need this, this, and this. Like you can do so much with a barbell. Yeah, if you've seen like my business on my personal Instagram, I put up photos and videos of my home gym. Like that started with just a barbell. Yeah. I bought one barbell and that's all I had. I bought some weights for it. And then over time, when I actually got a lot more knowledge and confidence to know what I was doing, I'm like, oh, I want to do this now. I need to get this next implement. Um, And then I grew up from there. So yeah, squat rack and, you know, squat racks are expensive. So squat stands are cheaper. Um, you can get them for like a hundred or two hundred dollars, and they'll let you do squatting and pressing. They're not as safe as squat racks, but you know it, it opens up opportunities. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying too. You can get a lot of this stuff from Gumtree because people start strength training and then stop. <laughs> yeah, so many people get you know, I won't say motivated. I'll say overly enthused about mm-hmm. it. Don't know what the fuck they're doing, or you know, give up, and then they sell it for a fraction of the price because no one else wants to buy it. <laughs> You can actually get a lot of good stuff. I got some Alico, um, if you know who Alico are, but Alico jerk blocks on Gumtree for a fifth of their price. It's yeah. ridiculous. I saw that. I saw that post. I was jealous. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, the price comes from the brand, but uh, yeah. it's just, yeah. And the, the guy knew how much they were worth, but he knew no one else was going to buy them for like what they were worth even right. secondhand. Yeah. But yeah, you can pick up a good barbell. Um, when you get a barbell, actually make sure the sleeves spin. 
that that is the measure of the barbell and um, the knurl. The other bits at the end. Yeah, yeah, the bits on the end where you put the plates. Make sure they actually spin smoothly. Um, if they don't, it could be because the bearings are crap, or it could be because it's not been well maintained. Don't get a rusty bar, but if you have a rusty bar, it's actually not the end of the world. Just clean it. Uh, oh yeah, and learn how to clean a barbell. Um, they're made out of steel, they rust like rifles, like knives, so you have to oil and maintain them, but they're actually really low maintenance. And you can, if you get a good bar, it'll last you a lifetime. If you get a shit bar, it'll still last a while. Yeah, like we, honestly, our, our bar is terrible and it was cheap, but it's still, it's we're like six years in. Yep, like, exactly. Yeah. And, and like we just it, have to tighten it up. We tighten the ends up sometimes. Yeah, and, and if it serves the purpose of what you're doing, then that's fine. It doesn't need to be the, the slickest one, um, especially when you're starting out. Like any barbell is going to be better than that. Yeah. Um, there's a shitload of other cool stuff um, when it comes to a home gym, but um, that's really it. Um, that, they're really good points to start with. Yeah, and I do remember that article you wrote, so yep. I'll pass that on. Oh, one thing I will say, and it's not related to gym equipment, but it's related to training, is like, don't do strength training in runners. Yeah. Get some actual shoes with hard soles. Um, and that's probably the, as important as a barbell. The most important equipment you can have for training is shoes. Shoes with yeah. hard soles as opposed to runners. Runners are great for running. Um, you know, I don't run that much, but I have shoes that are designed for my foot strike and everything like that to make sure that I don't get shin splints and I can actually run because I ran in the wrong running shoes for years and running used to be painful. That's why I hate it so much. Um, but yeah, I actually got the right type of shoes and same with strength training. I have the right type of shoes for strength training. Yeah. I think that's really important because I do actually see, because a lot of, like I said, there is this kind of shift and there's all these like kind of women that we all joined Instagram at the same time. So all mm. this running group and now they're getting into strength training and they're, they're going to the gym and they're runners. And it's this idea of like, oh, my ASICs are really good and they cost, you know, 190 bucks yeah. or whatever. They're a good shoe. You know, they're a good running shoe and they're yep. terrible yep. for lifting. Um, yep. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to wear lifting shoes. Like I still don't wear lifting yep. shoes. Like I, I want I want a pair, but I'm just like, oh, I can make do. I wear Metcons. They're super yep. flat. They're super rigid on the bottom. Yeah. But people lifting cons and stuff too, that's fine. Yep. It's just about not having these squishy shoes. Yeah. You, you want a shoe that's, that's hard. Basically, either yeah. hard and flat, or yeah, like a shoe that's hard and flat, or a shoe like a lifting shoe is going to be hard and with an elevated heel. But um, yeah, Metcons are fantastic to lift in. So uh, uh, Nanos, so like any kind of shoe that's cool for CrossFit is going to be good to lift in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're a good sort of compromise. They're they're more towards a lifting shoe. You can sort of run short distance in them. If you run long distance in them, they'll, they'll mess you up. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah, cons. So Chuck Taylors uh, are really good shoe. A lot of powerlifters still compete in Chuck Taylors. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just a cool shoe. You'll see some people wear deadlift slippers and all this other kind of weird stuff. But yeah, um, any kind of CrossFit style shoe um, and you, various prices. So you don't need to fork out two hundred dollars for the latest Metcon fives. Yeah. You can get some earlier model ones. You can get some other brands. But if you walk into your local sports shoe and say, "Hey, I want to start doing CrossFit." Um, even if you're not doing CrossFit, they'll give you typically a good shoe for lifting. Yeah. And yeah, if you go, I want a lifting shoe, they'll probably look at you confused. Um, so just, yeah, game it and just say, oh yeah, well, I'm going to start doing CrossFit and they'll take you straight to all the shoes that are suitable for CrossFit or functional training or whatever. And um, that'll be a really good start point for lifting shoes. Arc Remote Coaching offers individualized strength and conditioning coaching for you as an individual anywhere in the world. If you're looking to optimize your physical performance for a field sport, 
if you're a tactical athlete, if you're a performing artist, or if you have a high-intensity hobby where you need to be in the best physical shape, get in touch. Check us out at www.artremotecoaching.com and have an accredited strength and conditioning coach assist you in optimizing your performance when it counts. We offer individualized programming coaching delivered directly to your smartphone so you can access me, your strength and conditioning coach, receive constructive feedback, including video review to make sure that you're performing at your best. Arc Remote Coaching, have me, your strength and conditioning coach, in your pocket, anywhere, anytime. Um, yep, so the second question that I had was, do you need to be fit to start powerlifting? Uh, this is a great question. I think we um, we hinted at it in earlier, which will actually now be a previous episode. Yeah, this is not one episode. This is insane. Yeah. I thought it was two. Now I'm thinking it's going to be at least three, um, which is great. Maybe four. Um, and, and the fantastic, uh, fantastic thing about powerlifting um, and actually any strength sport, so I think powerlifting, weightlifting, and when I say weightlifting, I, I, for those who aren't big on what weightlifting is, it's not weight training or strength training. It's the sport that they do at the Olympics, the snatch and the clean and jerk. Yeah, so I, I would say, like, from a from a novice perspective, in terms of what, like, these the people that have messaged me are asking for, just for their awareness, is that weight weightlifting as a sport is harder to get into than powerlifting. Yes, um, the, the lifts are inherently a lot more complex. They're, it's about strength, speed, power, um, mobility, timing. Whereas powerlifting is is poorly named. Powerlifting is about absolute strength, not about power. And you do the squat, bench press, and deadlift. Weightlifting, you do the snatch and the clean and jerk. And then strongman's another one, which is harder to get into than powerlifting. Uh, it has you know, sort of four events, but they're a bit more dynamic. They change depending on the meet. Um, of all of them, powerlifting is the easiest to get into, to learn the skills, because it's three lifts that a lot of people do in the gym anyway that all use a barbell, whereas strongman has weird implements. Weightlifting has a barbell, but um, all of them, um, you don't need to have a starting level of any kind of capacity to get into. Um, because all of these sports are extremely welcoming. And uh, I think there is a perception some people have that I need to be so strong before I can start doing this. You know, I need to work on my general strength before I get into powerlifting. That's not true. You can just start doing powerlifting. Um, And same, you can just start doing weightlifting. Um, In the case of weightlifting and strongman specifically, I, I definitely recommend you get a coach that sees you in person to actually teach you how to do these things. Um, just because there is a, a lot more technical demand on the exercises you do. Um, whereas powerlifting, you can, you know, I, I'd recommend getting a coach with powerlifting as well, but you can get to a, a, you can get into training powerlifting without a coach to a degree. As long as you're prepared to be filming lifts. And- yes. And you, you can, you know, you can, you can get like a remote coach um, who can actually teach you how to powerlift um, actually pretty effectively. Um, if you're prepared to actually film yourself and, receive constructive criticism whereas learning to snatch and clean and jerk and you know learning how to pick up stones with strong mans and and do like carries is a bit is a bit more um complex but all of these sports um have a really low barrier to entry which is you need to be breathing basically well 
And I would say just from my experience in that powerlifting comp is that in some ways there probably is an advantage to getting into powerlifting without previous, say, bodybuilding. Um, it, it, actually, it actually is for a lot of people. <laughs> for me, I had to... I had to kind of unlearn how to squat. Um, and, and I also had to get over my ego as well because, like, had had someone asked me how much can you squat, you know, before I started powerlifting, I would have said 105 kilos. I can squat 105 kilos for five reps because that's what I firmly believed. Um, and then you, you know, got me to kind of do my test of like that and you were like, none of your squats count. I was like, what? <laughs> yes, they do. But yeah, you know, you've got to park your ego. Whereas I think if you come in as a as a beginner and, and you don't have this preconceived idea of this is, you know, I've already got my PB and now I'm not getting my PB any days, um, it, it helps with that. Whereas I just now, because I still have such a big ego, I now when if I get asked that question, I'll be like, well, in terms of powerlifting, this was my this was my best, but you know, I have also done this. Yeah, and that's actually um, that's an important point is because. Uh, these sports, a lift isn't just what you can do. It, they all have technical standards. You have to meet specific requirements for it to count. Um, and if you don't do something correctly, like for powerlifting, if you don't squat to a particular depth, it doesn't count as a lift. Um, and in competition, you don't get, it's not just how much weight you can just sort of kind of bend your knees with. You need to hit a particular depth, which is, there's varying definitions depending on powerlifting federations, but you need to squat to parallel, um, how that people define parallel varies. Um, if you don't do that, then it doesn't count. Same with bench press. The bar actually stops on your chest. So you have to wait for a press command to actually push the bar up and you need to maintain points of contact. So um, what you might be able to get away with in the gym as general strength training may not count um, in a powerlifting meet. Um, and same with the deadlift, like lockout is important. I see a lot of people on the gram with soft knees when they deadlift, they actually don't fully extend. Whereas if you do that in a powerlifting meet, you'll get a no lift. Um, weightlifting is a little bit different. Um, there isn't like minimum standards with squat depth on any of the lifts or that kind of stuff, but they have other requirements with how your elbows move and um, where the bar touches and a few other weird things. Um, and then I, I don't, I'm not well-versed in strongman apart from occasionally watching it. Um, but yeah, so what you think you can do in the gym may not be what you can actually do in a strength sport. Uh, and the other thing with it was, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the way these sports train is not the same as a lot of people train when it comes to more bodybuilding style training. Um, and, and like Alicia said, it's you have to let your ego go because you're training for an outcome. You want to hit particular lifts with a particular technical standard of movement. You don't just go, I'm just going to lift as heavy as I can today. It's very deliberate and progressive. And most training is not organized by body part for all these sports. They're actually organized by lift. So if you're into powerlifting, most powerlifters will follow a program where they have a squat day, a bench press day, a deadlift day. It might vary a little bit, but they're not doing an arm day, a chest day, a back day, um, which is a very bodybuilding centric way of doing it. Strength sports, you organize your training based on a lift. Uh, you'll do a lift and then you'll do accessories to improve that lift. So like in weightlifting, I have a snatch day, I have a jerk day, I have a clean day, I then have a heavy day, um, which is a really different perspective. And then most of these sports, most of these programs have deliberate progressions in them, um, which is not maxing out 
every day that you train. It's not just going, I'm just going to squat heavier than what I did last time. It's controlled and designed. So, you know, in weightlifting, I'll hit snatches at 65% for like one rep for multiple sets. Um, and then the next week, it's going to advance and progress over time. I'm not going to actually hit my 1RMs or test my 1RMs all the time. I'm going to do it infrequently. Uh, and it's because there's so many technical requirements and because we're not just training muscles here. We're training nervous system. We're trying to develop connective tissue. We're trying to manage stress and recovery. And we're refining technique constantly. Um, so they actually get really involved. Um, it's not just how many bicep curls you can bash out when you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And you have to get used to not looking in the fucking mirror. I didn't like that. Yep. There's no mirrors on the platform. Um, I think I think that's something that particularly women when they come to a sport like that can struggle with, not the mirror scene, <laughs> the previous point, the previous point um, which is that, a lot of women have come from, they get into the gym through group training classes and group training classes as someone at the front being like, you know, shouting their slogans at you, push hard, yay, you know, sweat, fat, crying, meh, meh, meh. Um, and what they don't realise is that a good workout is not necessarily that you have to leave feeling like you want to vomit or that you are super sweaty or that, you know, you thought you're going to have a heart attack. Like, for especially for powerlifting, these, as you say, these sessions have an outcome and you might walk away thinking, I could have done more. That doesn't mean that you've failed, that you've, you've done what you were supposed to do. Yeah, and what I love about string sports, before I discovered them, like I didn't know what I was really doing in the gym. I had an idea, I became a personal trainer, then I discovered string sports, and I'm like, oh man, this it, it rapidly changed my perception of how to train. Um, and and I, I talk about it, but I became less focused on short-term gains, which actually don't mean anything. Um, to actually long-term progression. And that's when I really learned that how to actually make improvements. Um, and it's not based on a sensation of a individual session. You know, if you're busting your ass every time you train, you're not training effectively. Yeah. It's about getting the optimum amount of stress and that's, you know, physiological stress from the training session, then having the optimal level of recovery and doing that in a repetitious manner to actually build an improvement over a long period of time. And I think, like, just noting that the question, who some of these questions have come from, I think if, you, if you've taken running seriously, you can understand that concept because, like, a lot of people will think running is running in the red every single time, but good runners know that it's, it's the long, slow distance that increases cardiovascular endurance. It's, you know, having recovery runs. Um, so I think you can apply the same, the same principles if you come from that kind of background, but it can just be hard if you've, if you've never been in a sport that's just about increasing your performance and you've come from the kind of, you know, cardio kind of world of, yep, yeah, you need to, you know, if you didn't leave tired, it's not good. That can just be a mental shift that you have to make. Yeah. And, uh, and the training principles, whether it's you're developing strength, developing speed, power, endurance, whether you're working uh, aerobically, anaerobically, they're all the same. Um, the, the fundamental principles behind training and I, I'm all about principles as opposed to this is the specific program that's going to meet your goals um, they're all the same and if you understand the principles of training you apply the same principles with strength training speed training to what you do with running or cardiovascular work um, it's just about manipulation of volume and intensity and, and you know just like when it comes to running, there's different ways you can participate in the sport. You don't need to be at a certain um, 
capacity to, you know, do a fun run or do a local 5K run or yeah. whatever it is, you know, and there's things like um, park run where it's a, a social version. String sports have their equivalents as well. Yeah. Um, you can have novice competitions um, in some powerlifting federations, Australian Weightlifting Federation, its state um, associations all typically have a, um, a, a novice entry where you don't have to wear the singlet, for example. Um, you can just wear normal clothes and do the lifts that don't count towards records, but they, they just want participation. Um, and the other thing is you don't even have to compete either. Um, not everyone want, wants to compete or likes competing. Um, and that's fine too. Some people just want to train and they want to train in the environment or, you know, they, they're doing it for themselves and that's the method they choose. So training, um, you know, and I like I'm all about for performance outcomes for sport, whether that's in strength sports specifically or whether you're, you know, playing a field sport like hockey or football or an individual sport or your tactical athlete, whatever. But that's not the only reason you have to train. Um, you know, I think training is, is a personal thing. You should do it for yourself. And if it makes you happy, like you don't need to be on the platform. But if you do choose to go on the platform, like you will be welcomed with open arms. Um, and if you go to a competition and people are a bunch of fuckwits, just go to a different one. Yeah. Well, I think for, for women, I think there is a real benefit to strength training, in, in whether, whether you're going to compete or not compete or whatever. But just in, it is very empowering for women. It's very empowering to be able to just do things and not need help. Um, and I, that that probably sounds silly to if someone's listening and they're quite physically capable. But like for, for a lot of people, they they have to get help to do things. Whereas I, there's not much in my life that I can't just get done. Um, and that's that's a nice feeling. Um, and I think it's just it, it makes you carry yourself a bit differently too. Because if you think about what it's doing, like often women will end up with these like hunched over postures. I'm saying as I'm sitting hunched over, but, you know, they'll they'll stand hunched or they'll walk hunched or whatever, whereas you often find someone who does a lot of lifting, it, it's your muscles in your back are pulling everything back, so you're walking with more confidence. It, it really does shape a lot of how people interact with you in your life, whether they know that you lift or not. But just because you're not being meek, you're taking up space and you're walking with a way that shows that, yep, I'm here and I can handle myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I, I Maybe I hinted at it, but it's a really good point. And what I want to say about powerlifting specifically, or just strength training in general, is um, if, you, if you wanted to get into bodybuilding or physique competitions, they have a really high demand. And I think on, on women, they can be really tough. It's not suitable for everyone. Like, I, I wouldn't hack it. Um, it's not my kind of thing. Um, I, I helped a woman do it once, and I was happy with that. She kicked ass. That's not my cup of tea. Um, but... It has a lot more work, not just with training, but with diet to actually be in a particular shape to be able to compete and get on stage. Whereas strength uh, training and powerlifting specifically don't have that same um, requirement. You can just, you don't need to change your body composition to be a powerlifter. Whereas to be a physique com competitor, that's what you're measuring. And that's not bad. That's, that's what the sport is, but it's in it. they're aesthetically based sports. That's how you're judged. Um, strength sports aren't. They're weight yep. classed. You'll fit into a weight class. You don't need to change your weight class, um, but you can just compete. You can just get yep. into it and not worry about, oh, I need to get to a lower body fat. Like that, That's irrelevant, especially when yep. you're starting out. You might, as you get more advanced, if you enjoy it, you know, if you enjoy it and you want to be more competitive, you can then look at manipulating your body weight to fit into a more competitive weight class. But 
getting into these sports, um, it, it's it's not you don't need to manipulate your diet to extreme levels um, to be able to get on the stage. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that is a good point because we talked before about weigh-ins. The weigh-ins are just because of how they calculate, like because you just it's about how much of, of your own body weight are you lifting. No one gives a shit about your weigh-in. And, like, the comp that I did was, like, super friendly. So your weigh-in was completely private. And, you know, if, if you were nervous, you could ask people to leave the room and all that kind of stuff. Like, no one, they didn't, like, put my weight up on a big board or anything. Like, if someone had been super committed to figuring it out, they could have been like, oh, you know, she deadlifted 102 and a half kilos and then that means this. Like, but, um, you know, it's not it's not about what you weigh at all. And there's definitely, there was like a huge variety of bodies that even in that, that was a smaller company. There weren't that many women. It just like, you know, there were, there was like someone who was like quite, quite a large girl, like probably a higher portion of body fat, super strong. So obviously a high portion of muscle as well. And then this tiny girl who was just pulling these lifts that was incredible. And then, you know, someone that just looked like someone you'd see walking down the street, you wouldn't have even known she was like sporty and she did quite well for herself. Like you really, you can't even use body to predict how someone will perform either. Yep. And, and yeah, so the, the, the body, the body weight thing, um, like Alicia said, it, it's just so you can compare two people really is to see how you perform as a measure. But when you have like some 48 kilogram girl competing and then there's a 96 kilogram girl, um, you go, well, who's better? in terms yeah. of a broad competitive sense, you can't go, well, you know, more likely a 96-kilogram woman is going to lift more than a 48-kilogram woman. But you go, well, actually, this person, based on, you know, their body weight, actually performed better, even though they lifted less. And it's just a way of comparing individuals. Um, but that's, that's, that's only relevant or matters when you're at, like, you're actually trying to win. Or, yeah. Um, and that's not the only reason to get into these sports. And uh, even weightlifting in, in Canberra, like, there is, um, we have masters lifters. Like I'm a masters lifter because I technically turned 35 this year. There are dudes that are really old competing, like in their 70s and 80s, um, and it's it's great. Like they've been doing the sport for a long time, and they just want to get on the platform. They're the only guys doing it. <laughs> I think two yeah. of them. Um, they're they're, yeah, they're a lot older than anyone else, um, but they just love the sport, and they'll get up there and they'll snatch 40 kilos. Um, that they'll be the first guys to snatch because it's the lightest, but it, you know, age is not a barrier. I guess at the point here as well, um, you don't need to be, you know, in your quote unquote prime to get into these sports. All these sports have um, youth divisions, um, junior divisions, senior division, which is seniors like adult, and then masters, which start typically at thirty-five or forty, and then uh, progressively break down in five-year increments. So. If you're like 30 and you're like, I'm too old to get into powerlifting or weightlifting, you're not. Um, I, I got into it in my 30s. <laughs> um, you could be 50 and go, oh, you know, I'd like to do this, but I'm too old. No, you're not. You, people that are 70 and 80 decide to take this, these sports up. Um, man, I love it. And thanks once again to listening to Arc Remote Coaching Radio with our special guest on our fourth and final episode in this series anyway with Alicia Shemeld our guest psychologist. You can check out Alicia on Instagram at thegeekpsych, all lowercase, one word, no spaces, no dot, and don't forget that psych spelled P-S-Y-C-H. Also check out Arc Remote Coaching on Instagram, simply Arc Remote Coaching. Find us on Facebook if you game, and also check out our website, arcremotecoaching.com. 
We offer a free no sweat intro for anyone who wants to try out remote coaching, see if it can work for them. And just because you guys are cool, anyone who signs up for our individualized coaching services and mentors the podcast gets 15% off their membership for the duration of their membership. So want to save some dosh, get some excellent coaching services. Just don't forget to mention this podcast episode and uh, yeah, book in for a no sweat free intro and let's find out if remote coaching can help you optimize your performance. Till next time. Peace.